Well, amen. You know, this morning we're focusing our attention on serving within the body of believers. You know, the Bible teaches us that we as a New Testament church have a mission. We exist for a purpose. Uh, we're not just simply getting here every single Sunday to look at one another and shake hands, but there actually is a purpose for us gathering together. In fact, the scriptures teach us that we are called to make disciples. And that's why we exist here at Concord, so that we can make disciples everywhere. Now, as you consider a disciple, and I consider a disciple, we really begin to look at a disciple's heart. What does it look like to have a heart for the Lord? Well, we've broken that down into four major, or four major, how about four major? Y'all with me? Four major quadrants of the spiritually healthy heart. And those are outlined for us right up here on the wall. There is the worship chamber, the reach, grow, and serve. Awesome. All four of those chambers need to be open and pumping spiritual stamina in order for you to be spiritually fit. And that's our goal. That's our heart's desire. So this morning, we're going to focus on the serve chamber. It is the fourth chamber of the spiritually healthy heart. Now, if you're an adult, you'll remember how the ministry is set up to enable you to be a spiritually fit follower of Jesus. As you come to your worship hour, that is the time frame where you are encouraged to meet with God. So we do that at 8.30. We do it also at 11 o'clock. We are challenging you to actually meet with the Lord right here in this particular place. The major question that you could ask of your own life is, are you submitting to the Holy Spirit's leadership in your life? The answer to that question will determine whether or not you are genuinely worshiping the Lord or whether or not you are worshiping yourself or someone else. But as you leave worship, you're encouraged to get involved in a REACH group. That's our Sunday school ministry. Each one of our adult Sunday school classes is designed and is being designed to be a missions agency, reaching out to those who do not have a personal relationship with the Lord. So you get around others and you have the opportunity to reach out. The question that you need to ask of yourself as an individual is simply this, am I surrendering to God's commission? He's commissioned you to make disciples just as he has commissioned me. And so we surrender to him and we get involved in that. Then you have the grow chamber. That's where we have grow groups that are set up for our adults. They'll begin August the 12th on Sunday evenings. You get into a grow group, opportunity for you to be encouraged to be in the word of God every single day and come together with other men as well as other ladies, if you're a lady. And you have the opportunity to talk about what God is teaching you. And the major question there is, am I surrendering to God's word? And now this morning, we focus on the serve chamber. This past week had a, a different way of putting this sermon together. I had an imaginary friend visit me in my church office. It's an imaginary church member. And they sat down across from the desk and they looked me in the eyeball, serious as a heart attack, and said, uh, Preacher, Levi, tell me, why is it important that I serve in the ministry at Concord Baptist Church. So my imaginary friend and I had a great conversation and out came this particular sermon. Now, just so you do know, I don't typically talk to imaginary friends. Are y'all all right? But uh, just figured that'd be a good way to introduce the message this morning. But if you are a regular attender here, you also know that I typically don't jump all over the Bible, but I'm going to do that this morning because my imaginary friend was not easily uh, understanding what I was talking about. Y'all just want to go home. Y'all want to pray? Let's... Awesome stuff. 
So again, the question for you and I is very simple. Why do you think it is important to serve in the ministry of Concord? So if you got a Bible, Galatians chapter 5 is where we'll begin. So I would encourage you to open it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. You can go ahead and stand with me in honor of God's word. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Now I want to hear pages turning this morning because we'll go to a couple of other places as well. So let me hear those pages. You got a Bible? Say amen. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 will be uh, kind of the major text here to kick us off. Why should we be involved in serving in the ministry? Notice what Paul the Apostle writes in Galatians 5, 13. You were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So let's bow together. Father, thank you for your word. Now, uh, really invested into our hearts so that we as a church body don't just talk about uh, serving one another in love, but we're actually involved in it. So I pray, Lord, for our church body, for the membership here, uh, God, that you would move us into a realm of doing something that is not normal, uh, and that is seeing every church member involved in serving God, you've called us to make disciples, to equip the body, to do the work of the ministry. So as pastoral leadership, that's our heartbeat, that we would see people uh, become dynamic disciples who are worshiping, reaching, growing, and serving. So do that today and speak to our hearts. As well, Lord, I pray you continue to use your word to draw people to yourself. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray and everybody said, amen. So you can be seated. Four reasons that I share with my imaginary friend why... He should be involved in serving in the ministry here at Concord, and they just so happen to apply to all of us. So the first reason, why should you and I serve in the ministry? Here it is, because God said so. Y'all all right? That is a good one. We could just go home on that one. You remember when uh, you were younger, I know it was with me, my little sister would come up to me and she'd be like, you need to do this. And I'm saying, no, I'm not doing that. Then she'd say something like, your mama said that you better do it. I'm like, oh, mama said so? Yes. All right, I'm getting it done. Y'all listening? So this isn't like a pastor saying, y'all really should serve. No, no, this is God saying so. All right. So listen to what the Lord has to speak to you. Again, Galatians 5 and 13, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. See, the Lord has freed us from the condemnation of the law, which was death. And the debt of sin toward God is no longer looming over us who are followers of Jesus Christ. The curse of God's law, which was death and separation from God, no longer has a hold on you and I as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, the scriptures teach that cursed is everyone who has broken the law. It also teaches that cursed is he who is hung upon a tree. Paul the Apostle lets us know in the book of Galatians that the Lord Jesus came and he died on a tree to become a curse for us so that we might receive a blessing from God the Father. So Jesus died as our substitute, took us out of darkness, put us into light, and then he called us all to serve. You know, Paul doesn't want anyone to get the wrong impression here either because he's mentioned the fact that they are free from the law of God. And so as a result, when some people would hear that, they'd be like, free from the law, we can do whatever we want to now. Let's go sin. Let's live it up. It's like crazy. Y'all right. out there? 
And so there were some who were under that impression. They were like, well, our soul is saved, so now we can just give our body over to indulge in its desires. But Paul's like, wait a minute. You have been set free from the law, but that doesn't mean you should give your body over to a sinful lifestyle. Instead, through love, give yourself to serving others. You know, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9 and 19, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. So why should we serve? We should serve because God said so. He led, the Holy Spirit led Paul the Apostle to pen these particular words so that you and I could apply them to our heart. This ain't just Bible teaching. This is Bible application. We put this into practice as believers. Now, as I considered the Lord and how he has worked throughout history, I have found that God has used a teen concept throughout the Bible to accomplish his will. In fact, God made Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to be a team, to be unified, so that they could accomplish God's purpose. As well, God called the nation of Israel to himself and made them a unit, made them a team to accomplish his purposes. And there are times throughout the Old Testament where we see God commanding his people to build. They built the tabernacle of God as a team. Each person exercised their unique talents, unique gifts as well, and they served as a unit to get a particular job done. And when Israel built the broken walls of the city of Jerusalem, they did so as a team. They did so as a unit. God brought all sorts of people together and accomplished a certain task of rebuilding the walls. Now in the New Testament, we see God through Jesus. He came and he established a team of disciples to carry out the message of the kingdom of heaven. And then God, through the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, gave birth to the New Testament church. And the church began to grow and they began to plant other local churches as the Lord moved. And these local churches, even the local church of Concord in Claremont, has been established by God to be a team and to carry out his divine purpose for the church. So what is his purpose? His purpose is for us to make disciples everywhere. And he has brought all of us together as a team to accomplish that feat in northeast Georgia and around the world. Now, once you and I became disciples of the Lord, we became individuals who make up his team. And in this case, it's the team right here at Concord Baptist Church. As members of his team... We should do what he did while he was on the earth. So what did Jesus do? Jesus said in Mark's gospel, chapter 10 and verse 45, I did not come to be served but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ as a member of Concord, you should serve because God said so and he showed us how to do it in his son Jesus Christ. So it's just as Paul says, you, my brothers, and I'll go ahead and add my sisters. Y'all with me? All of you members of Concord Baptist Church, those of you who know the Lord, you have been called to be free. But please do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Don't use your body to be lazy, all right? God didn't call you to this church family so you can come in and sit in here and listen to me holler every Sunday. Y'all listening? God called you, saved you, so you could not sit but serve. Not be a spectator but be a participator. So God has a place for you to serve. He's called you to serve, and he says, I desire for you to do that. So that's why we serve, first of all, because God said so. Point number two. Y'all still with me say yes? Point number two is very simple. We serve because God gifted you to serve. 
So you serve because God gifted you to serve. As uh, a matter of fact, flip your Bibles over to Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 4 through 6. The book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Also written by Paul the Apostle, the letter to the Romans. Romans chapter 12. You know, we've had the opportunity to watch the Olympics this week. They kicked off this past weekend. And we've seen people with so many talents, right, come from different countries to compete. And uh, so many people with these different skills and they are placed in particular races or particular events in the Olympics so that their skill is magnified. So they've been given that talent by the Lord. Right? But the Bible also teaches that the Lord has given you and I spiritual gifts that we exercise in the context of the body of believers. So Romans chapter 12, 4 through 6, y'all got it? Say amen. The Bible says, for just as we have many members in one body... And all the members do not have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Now, uh, you know, many of you have an iPad or some kind of tablet like me. I have an Asus uh, tablet. It's basically a knockoff of the iPad. Are y'all all right? Just cheaper. But on my tablet, I've downloaded a particular application. And that application is called Google Body. And you are, with just the simple touch of a finger, able to discover every single bone, every single muscle, every vein, and the function of the entire body. It's pretty amazing how intricate the detail within the human body is and how each part of the body plays a very significant role. And Paul, most likely, you know, in this text, didn't have the inner workings of the cardiovascular system in mind, but rather the parts of the body that you and I can see physically. So whenever he says we are a body with many parts, he wants us to consider for a moment that just as your body has eyes so that you can see, I mean, you have a mouth so you can speak, you have ears to hear, a nose to smell, hands to touch, feet to get you where you need to go. These parts of the body, while many, make up one unit, one team. The eyes don't try to do what the ears do. The ears don't try to do what the mouth does. Each body part functions as it was designed to function and in unison with the whole body so that progress can be made. In fact, just when I walk up those stairs and over to this particular podium so I can preach this morning, there is an amazing amount of muscles that are going on <laughs> to get me up here. But they all work together. You know, and all it has to do is my head says where the body goes and the body follows the head. The head of the New Testament church is not the pastor, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the head, he tells us where to go, and we follow. And what's awesome is that he's already outprinted it for us right there in the Bible. He's like, go make disciples. So it's always shocking to me when people get around as church folks, and they're like, I don't know what we're supposed to be doing. You're kidding, right? Jesus told us what to do, man. So we just need to get after it and start doing it. Now, you and I, as a local fellowship of believers, are many However, God has uniquely designed you to serve in a specific role within this body. You and I have been spiritually gifted to serve within the body so that progress can be made. It is amazing what Jesus Christ did to gift you. When Jesus went to the cross, was buried and resurrected, the Bible says that he conquered death. 
And in doing so, he got some loot. All right? It's kind of like a pirate. He got some loot, and he hands it out to the New Testament church. He started first by giving the apostles and the prophets, and then he gave to the church other gifts, such as pastor, teachers, and evangelists. And then he gave the believers within the body of Christ specific spiritual gifts to exercise within the body. So God, through Christ, came. He overcame death and hell and the grave, and he granted to you these particular gifts so that you can use them within the context of a local body of believers. Now, Paul writes in the book of Romans basically stating, you have been gifted, so exercise your gift. In other words, put it into practice. Do not sit down on your gift man, all right? Put it into practice. You know, we saw Michael Phelps swim last night. Anybody watch him swim against the other guy, Mr. Lochte? And uh, Michael Phelps was on the verge of never swimming again. Have you ever seen this joker? I think he has gills, all right? He was gifted to swim, but he was about that close to never swimming again, giving up the entirety of it. And he was going to sit on those gifts. And I fear that there are people within the context of the church who have been gifted to serve, but they have already made up their mind that they're just going to sit it out and not serve. Listen, you cannot sit on your gifts. You must exercise them within the body of believers. We are a team. Without you, we suffer. All right? and now, uh, very important, all of us are serving. You ever heard of John Wooden? John Wooden was a basketball coach at UCLA. I've read a couple of his autobiographies. Awesome guy. Awesome story of his life. Uh, he was nicknamed the Wizard of Westwood. He won... 10 NCAA national championships in a 12-year period, which is pretty impressive. And I listened to a documentary uh, on one occasion concerning his coaching style and his leadership. And he explained how he sought to find the sweet spot of every single person who played on his team. Now, when he mentions the sweet spot, he's talking about the spot on the basketball court where each member has the ability to shoot and pretty much make it every single time. So he would find the sweet spot of every single player on his team. And then he would sit back and design plays to get those players in their sweet spot so they could shoot the ball and win the game. They were very systematic in their practice, very systematic in their process, but they were uh, victors to say the least. In fact, uh, John Wooden is quoted as saying this, uh, Don't let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. Now, John Wooden was the basketball coach at UCLA for many years. But God is the coach, so to speak, of this church. And the Lord Jesus Christ has a sweet spot of service for you. He has uniquely designed you and created you to serve. Our prayer for the body of believers here at Concord is that you would find your sweet spot and you would start shooting the ball. Are y'all listening? Say yes. And so we want to encourage you to find that sweet spot and get after it. Now, some people are like, what? Serve? you got to be kidding me. Where would I even start? I've got no clue where I should be serving. Well, phenomenal news for you this morning. Great news. Are y'all listening? Say yes. The news is we are in the process of giving you an opportunity to figure out your spiritual gift, your passions, your personality, and seeing how all of those line up to give you an opportunity to serve within the body of believers. Uh, God willing, in the month of September of this year, 
your Sunday school class, another reason why you need to be in Sunday school, but your Sunday school class is going to be taken out. There's going to be two classes at one time who are going to join together, and they're going to be taught what we're calling CSI material. CSI means Concord Service Initiative. So you'll learn your gifts, you'll learn your talents, you'll learn your temperament, you'll learn a place of service, and then we will move you through that course, and in a month's time frame, you can figure out your sweet spot in ministry here at Concord. And then we want to see you serve. And over the course of a year, or a little over a year, every single Sunday school class going two at a time in our adult arena will have the opportunity to figure out those gifts, where they should serve, and they can plug into the ministry of the body. Now, what's wild about this is that we have the opportunity to see a whole host of folks getting involved here and serving at Concord Baptist Church. You know, it's been a dream of Pastor Randy's. He mentioned this to us in one staff meeting. He said he would like to see 100% of church membership serving in the body. Are y'all listening to the preacher say yes? 100%. You know what that means? Everybody. Now, what's unique about that particular statement is that many people look at us as pastors in the context of other pastors, and they're like, that's unrealistic. Uh, you need a realistic goal. Listen. We serve an all-powerful God. Uh, when did we start working in the context of realistic? All right? God has the ability to take a little bit of fish and a little bit of loaves and feed 5,000 people. Right? So he can take what you have. All you got to do is offer it up to him like that little boy on the side of that mountain. Say, Lord, here's what's in my hand. Take it. And God will use it, putting you involved in service. Could you imagine what this church would be like if everybody served? That would be ridiculous. An amazing amount of influence and impact to be made in Northeast Georgia. If everybody was like, man, I am all in. I'm not coming here thinking the church revolves around me and here just simply to meet my needs. I am here to serve the body. All right? This ain't Burger King, all right? You don't come up in here like, we're going to have it my way. No, no, no. We have it the Lord's way. All right? The Lord's the one who's cooking the burgers. There's a whole lot more I can say about that. It's amazing what will come to my brain sometimes, quite fearful as well. But anyway, so um, you serve, imaginary friend. You serve because God said so. You serve because God gifted you to serve. There's a third reason. We serve because God displays his love through our service. Now, I need you to hear that because that is an awesome concept taught in the Scripture. God displays his love through our service. See, one of the greatest truths the Lord has taught me through the Scripture, I learned from reading the book of Galatians. And you don't have to turn back there, but just listen, I'm going to give you the references. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, the Bible tells us, and this is awesome, that faith works through love. That is, if we say we have genuine faith, then it will be displayed through our love toward one another. Uh, those who say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, so they've come to know him personally. They've been forgiven of their sin. They've entered into a relationship with him. Those individuals now show the fact that they have love for one another, all right, because they serve. And it's awesome. At the moment of conversion by God, the Bible teaches that through faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our hearts. And when the Spirit of God comes to take up residence within our hearts, the love of God is poured out into our heart as well. And when it speaks about the love of God, 
It's the agape love. It is the unconditional, unstoppable love. So God the Father displays that to us. He pours that out into us through the Holy Spirit. And then as we are filled with the Spirit, as we are controlled by the Holy Spirit, the love of God flows through us to other people. Now, you know, the Bible tells us we ought to love one another. Uh, in fact, it tells us that on multiple occasions. Uh, just give you this picture because it's a good one to me. Uh, Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? He's like, love God and then love others. Y'all remember that? Well, if you look at the four chambers, the top two, worship and grow, all about loving God. Right? Look down at the bottom two, you've got reach and serve, all about loving other people. So as you and I love the Lord, then we are strengthened by the Holy Spirit to display His love by reaching out to those who don't know Christ and serving those who do have a relationship with the Lord. Now, you know, we can sit around and look at each other eyeball to eyeball for quite some time and talk about how we love each other. Matter of fact, uh, we can look at each other every Sunday and get together and shake hands and say, Man, brother, I love you. Uh, sister, I love you in the Lord. But you know... How, how many of you would agree that activity is much grander than words? Right? There's a lot of people who's like, uh, yeah, we love each other. Right? We express our love then. That's what God did. Could you imagine? You know, the Bible says that God so loved the world. What if that was the end of the verse? Right? For God so loved the world, the end. We would be like, what? Where's the love? We don't see it. Where, but the Bible says in the book of Romans, God demonstrated his love in this, that while you and I were sinners, Christ died for us. And there's a great psalm that says it like this. How much does God love you? Look to Christ on the cross. He's holding his hands out saying, here's how much as they're nailed to a tree. So Jesus came. He expressed the love of God to you and I. He served. In fact, the Bible declares that. Uh, the Scripture says that he came not to be served, but to serve. The Bible says that he served, giving his life as a ransom for many. Now listen closely. We can get together and we can be like, love you. Love you, brother. Love you, sister. Good to see you here this morning. Eventually that gets old. Y'all out there? So we can talk about it all day long. No, no, no. How do we express this love that God has poured out in our heart? We serve each other. We serve within the body. So now it's not like just, hey, man, just letting you know I love you. No, no, no. It's saying, here's how I'm showing that I love you. And what's awesome is that we experience the love of the Father through your service. You experience the love of the Father through my service. So we serve each other, and God's love is magnified. So the Scriptures teach that faith works through love, and then love works through service. They all go together. It's awesome how the Lord put all that in place. So why do we serve? We serve because God said so, because God gifted us to, and then we also serve because God displayed His love through service. And then there's already a spoiler alert. Number four is up there. Here's why we serve, fourth reason, because God wants to reward you for eternity. Rewards you for eternity. So you need to see this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. So turn your Bible there. Let me hear some pages ruffling through. If you have an iPad, God bless you for being here this morning. Y'all all right? I'm just jealous, to be honest with you. Asus. What was I thinking? 50 more dollars, I'd be cool. 
Looking at the Olympics, we saw it last night. They swam through Mr. Lochte, I think that was his last name. He won the gold medal. And then they put him on the podium and they give him the the reward. They put it right around their neck and then they sing the national anthem of that particular country. Well, when Paul the Apostle is writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he's giving the imagery of the Greco-Olympic Games. When people would run their race and at the end of the race they would stand before the judge who would reward them based upon their race. So whenever Paul the Apostle is writing 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he's writing to believers. He's writing to you and I. This is not to unbelievers, those who don't have a relationship with the Lord. This is to you and I. So notice what he says, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And notice the scripture here speaks of appearing before the Lord Jesus. The word appearing is a, a sticky term. It means to be made manifest. Uh, it means to publicly have our service and loyalty to Christ while on the earth, laid out bare and open for the Lord to see. So it carries the idea with it, this idea of both motives by which we serve and even the service itself. Right? So we talk about motives, serving with the right motive, with a humble heart. The Lord looks at our hearts. And then you see the word judgment seat there. You see it in your Bible, say yeah. Uh, it's a word, uh, Greek New Testament, it's the word bema seat. It means the reward seat. Uh, and the word picture, as I mentioned, is beautiful. After running our course, running our race of faith, we will cross the finish line and stand before Jesus Christ. Uh, he will take inventory of our service in the race, our faithfulness to Him. He will begin to place upon us rewards. And the rewards are based upon that which we do in the body, in your body, your physical body. What you do now with your body will be rewarded for eternity. Or we will suffer loss. So we're going to receive reward or we're going to suffer loss because we wasted our life. You know, Paul the Apostle, he remarks further in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 concerning this time of judgment. And he says, each man's work will become evident. For in that day, it will show it because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of every man's work. If any man's work which he has built on the foundation of Christ remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through the fire. So the interest, uh, interesting fact here is that you and I will breathe our last breath. We'll stand at the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ unless the rapture occurs, which I'm a fan of. Bring you on to rapture. Y'all all right? Just take me on up, man. Uh, and if you're still here, you can finish the sermon. It's written right here on my notes. <laughs> so I do that word for word, just in case. I reckon my shirt and pants will be here, too. If they fit, put them on. <laughs> but we'll stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Whenever it says we're going to be judged by fire, he's not talking about the fires of hell. He's talking about the refining fire of the Lord. So we are refined, and we're brought before the Lord, and those things that you know, we invested in life that were only temporary, made no impact for eternity, those things will meet the fire, and they will be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. Nothing. And uh, we're going to see in that moment all of the reasons and all of the opportunities that we missed uh, to be rewarded, but then those things that we did for eternity's sake, for the glory of God, uh, for the greaterment of the gospel, those things are rewarded by the Lord. 
And then, you know, the Lord uh, gives us those rewards, and it also determines what we will do for eternity. There's a lot to be preached on that. Hopefully, I'll be able to do that in the future. But um, you're faithful here, the Bible says, in a little. God will give you uh, oversight of much in eternity. So there's going to be an opportunity for you to serve in eternity. But what you do here will determine what you do there. <coughs> Y'all out there? It's interesting. Revelation 19 uh, speaks of us being clothed with fine linen. The linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Erwin Lutzer said it like this. He's like, your service for Christ today is sewing your dress for eternity. And let me add, your respect and honor for Christ today is going to be rewarded. Your faithfulness to meet and do what God's created you to do is going to be honored by the Lord Jesus. Your work today will determine your wardrobe in eternity. So whenever I'm encouraging you to serve, man, I can do that with the unction of the Scripture and the Holy Spirit. So it's not just some pastor trying to see how many people can get involved in service. No, no. I'm like, hey, man, get ready to be rewarded. I'm trying to help you. Because one day you're going to stand before the Lord. And, man, I don't know about you, but, you know, and don't get me wrong. Some of you be out there, you'd be like, man, I got a nice house. I did pretty well in my job. You know, my family's pretty good. I, I've got uh, uh, drive a nice vehicle, et cetera, et cetera. None of that stuff matters, all right, if you avoid and shirk your responsibility in the body of Jesus Christ. That stuff that is temporary is going to burn up. God refines those things, rewards you whenever you do what he created you to do. And listen, God created you. He's your manufacturer. So he knows for what reason he made you. And you know, we've uh, been blessed this summer to see some, some great growth uh, in our fellowship, seeing new members, people come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and others who are continuing to come. This morning had uh, several people. The whole front row was filled with people coming to join the church and be involved with what God is doing here. And for that, we give the Lord praise and glory, all right? We as a staff, our goal is to stay out of the way. We're like, let's just make sure we don't mess this up. It's kind of that, That's a good way to start staff meeting, isn't it? Hey, guys, let's not goof this thing. Just want to Stay out of his way. Make sure we don't try to act like we got anything going on because we ain't. Right. Just give it to the Lord. He's working in the lives of people. And we've seen incredible uh, growth in uh, many areas. Our twos, threes, and four-year-olds. Phenomenal growth. But guess what? We need eight new Sunday school teachers. By when? Two weeks from now. I was expecting hands to go up and be like, I'll do that, Pastor. I will do that. You know, it takes 92 volunteers in a one-month time frame to operate our preschool and nursery. Guess what? We need some more folks. You're like, nursery duty? Look at the preacher eyeball to eyeball. Never call it that again. <laughs> that burns me up, man, when I walk around and people are like, I've done my nursery duty. It ain't duty, all right? It's an opera. It is a little duty, but uh, <laughs> that didn't come out right. It's an opportunity for you to serve so families can grow in their relationship with the Lord. It's a blessing 
to be able to spend time with those children, to invest in them. If I weren't serving in all these other places, I would go to the nursery. I got kids in there. Good night. Y'all all right? Look at the preacher, eyeball to eyeball, being very sweet, but for real. Uh, you've got kids, you need to be serving. Right? This ain't no babysitting club. Right? And if it is, you're part of it. So help us serve. And uh, I'm a little nervous when everybody gets back into school and normalcy happens. We had a full service, uh, first service, got a, a good-looking group in here this morning. But when everybody gets back, help me, Rhonda. Y'all all right? We've got to serve. You know, our children's department is growing phenomenally as well. Two kindergarten classes, third grade classes. We need a couple of helpers there. Fourth grade needs some help. We need five helpers for Sunday school. Our student ministry under the leadership of Pastor Brandon, they're starting family groups on Wednesday nights for students who show up. They need adults. He needs adults to help serve in that area. As well, on Sunday nights, they're doing servant leadership. So they're going out and they're doing acts of service in the community. They need adults. Pastor Brandon needs some help to make that happen. Some of you need to volunteer and get plugged in to the body. In fact, this morning, as you can see over here, there's a booth set up for our student ministries. Anybody who's even remotely interested, you're like, I don't know what all that's about, but let me at least go find out. You'll find Brandon over there with some others. They'll talk to you. They'll get in touch with you in the future to see if it's a sweet spot of ministry for you. Also, our preschool and children, they'll be holding up picket signs over here following the service. And they are picketing, man. Come help. Are y'all listening? Now, it's pretty amazing. Now, we all fired up about growth. But if we aren't good stewards of what God has given us, he'll stop. So we want to make sure we're good stewards of what the Lord is doing, managing that well. And in the context of doing that, you're a dynamic disciple, worshiping, reaching, growing, and you are serving. You know, before I came to uh, church here um, and found this out when I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine this past week and um, began to talk about serving in the church, getting involved somewhere. And I realized that I actually go through a list of questions. I'd never written them down, but there were a list of questions that I asked even before uh, I came to Concord concerning uh, pastoring here in this fellowship. So first of all, as you know, I began to talk with them. I sat back and really asked, has God gifted me for that kind of service? Is that how I'm wired? And so I began to, to look at my spiritual gifts, you know, as am I called to, to be a pastor? Do I have a preaching gift, a leadership gift, looking at these gifts. And then all of a sudden I began to ask, is there opportunity for it? Is the door being opened? And then I began to ask, would I actually enjoy being there? And contrary to Lula, I'm enjoying it. Y'all all right? That was a joke. I live there. I can rag it all day. I love Lula. Y'all want to? People are looking at me like they hate my guts now, man. Tons of stuff to do there. <laughs> Let me go on. <laughs> Last little question that I ask is, does it help move the mission forward? And uh, all of the answers showed up yes. And so now, uh, I know y'all probably ain't so happy, but I'm here because of those things. 
So as you look at an opportunity to serve within the body, you ask those questions. Am I gifted for that? Is there opportunity for that? Would I enjoy that? Would it help move the mission forward? Does it help Concord Baptist Church continue to make disciples everywhere? Get on the wheel, man. Help us move forward so we can make progress and lead others to faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? We serve because God said so, because God gifted us to, because God displays His love through us when we serve, and we serve because God ultimately will reward it one day. Let's bow together. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to hearts.